All right, here we are back at Kitchen Brain Podcast today. I have another really special guest. Uh, we're talking to Mariana Delgado Gambini Pro, owner of or co-owner of uh, Chantilly Patisserie in Bronxville, New York. Uh, incredible place. Uh, we're we're going to get into everything that they do there. Mariana and I worked together uh, years ago, I would say 07, about 13 years ago is when we met uh, at Westchester Country Club in New York. Mariana was was uh, pastry, one of the pastry chefs in the shop when I got there. And, and shortly after I got there, she became uh, the, the youngest executive pastry chef at Westchester at age 22. Um, and <laughs> she's here with us today. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to dig in here with, uh, with what she's been doing with Chantilly and her whole journey and transition into being an entrepreneur. Uh, we'll, we'll get into to today's time with, with COVID and how that's affected business there. So uh, let's get right into it. Mariana, how are you? Hi, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, we, we speak sporadically throughout the years. Uh, yeah, life we do. Is, life is crazy. And, um, you know, you're, you're a mom now, I'm a dad now, everything is uh, completely different than, than it was last time we, we were in the same place. But um, I'm fascinated by your journey. I've always been a fan of your, your work and your skill level uh, as a pastry chef. And thank uh, you. Yeah, just, uh, it's, it's been really cool to see your progression from you know, working at Westchester and then just taking that step out there to, uh, to go on your own and open this amazing family business that you have. So I think kind of to catch everybody up here on, on the situation, um, let's just, I just want to learn about Mariana, like take us back to, um, I guess Johnson and Wales is where you went to school. Um, I did. Actually, I'll take you back even further. Um, I came to this country when I was nine years old uh, with my parents, my sister, my brother. Um, So we became immigrants. Uh, You know, my parents came when they were roughly my age. Um, I won't tell you, you know, a lady doesn't reveal her age, but, you know, (laughs) I haven't hit 40 yet. Um, But that's when it really all started uh, watching my parents work really, really hard. Um, from nothing, um, coming to a country where we knew no English, we barely had any family. Um, and I watched my parents suffer a lot and work very, very hard. Um, when I went to high school, there was a, um, I had to choose a trade and I ended up choosing culinary arts. Um, maybe because it always reminded of my family in the kitchen. We had really fond memories of, you know, in Argentina, having Sunday dinner, standing next to my grandmother, putting the bread in the tomato sauce, and it just really gave me special memories. So I figured, okay, I love to cook. I love to be in the kitchen. Let's try this out. And after culinary uh, in high school, I decided to go to Johnson and Wales in Providence, Rhode Island to do culinary, which I got my associates in culinary and then decided I wanted to go to baking and pastry. I related a lot more. And that's when I really took it serious. The first two years of college was, you know, just I was 17 when I went to college. So I was very, very young. I was the youngest one of our group and we had a great time. Um, But I had to make a choice, either continue to have a great time or take it serious. And I decided to do baking and pastry. I got my bachelor's in baking and pastry and also got involved in um, competition. 
And I think that's where I got hooked up with Westchester Country Club because at that time, um, you know, the Culinary Olympics and everything was happening. And one of the chefs there thought it was going to be a very good fit for me. And that's how I ended up at Westchester Country Club as uh, pretty much the only job I had right after college. I worked at different restaurants and uh, kitchens during college, um, but I ended up in um, Westchester Country Club before opening up Chantilly. And that's when I met you. Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. I didn't know that you competed. I did. Yeah, definitely. In the culinary team uh, for John uh, for Johnston Wales for the ACF junior team, and I was the captain there. And the reason why um, I got offered the position was because my piping skills were extremely fantastic. So it was something that I really looked forward to. Um, it really got me into what I wanted to do, uh, but. That really changed throughout the years in Westchester, my opinion about competition and how things developed and how honest things are. So it was kind of, it was very difficult decision, you know, not continuing with competitions because I really appreciate it a lot, but it was kind of drawn into this picture for me in college, which is not the same picture that was right after that. It was a very tough decision for me. Yeah. So uh, your your piping you downplayed your piping skills by the way. Uh, so <laughs> I have I, I've I've been around some some world class pastry chefs. I've been to the Culinary Olympics three times. Uh, yeah. I've seen a lot of crazy pastry work, and to this day, your piping is my barometer for whether or not somebody is really good at piping. Thanks. Uh, Seriously, I'm serious. Whenever, whenever we, and, and I'm not, I'm not even, you know, I'm not even close to a pastry chef. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have very, very few, if any, pastry bones in my body. Uh, <laughs> and I don't pretend to, but I, I know talent when I see it. And I know uh, like really solid craftsmanship. So when we have new pastry cooks or uh, whatever come through uh, our kitchens and they pipe like the first thing in my head is, man, that is, that is so far from what Mariana can do. Thanks, uh, bud. So, <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you mentioned that it was, it was a lot different than what you had expected. What, what do you mean? Like what specifically? Um, I think the reality I, for me, my personal um, challenge was that in school, they teach you a certain something. I don't think I was very, I mean, don't get me wrong. Let me backtrack. My teachers that I had, my mentors in school and college were amazing. And they really did prepare me um, skill-wise. You know, they really pushed me to be the best in a good way. Because, you know, you know, I kind of got pushed in certain ways at Westchester that were not very nice ways. Um, but I didn't realize the reality of what the real world was going to be when I left college. I don't think I was very prepared for that. Um, and going into a place where uh, the pastry chef that was there was kind of took certain students and took them under their shoulder, but not others, very picky on who she would choose. It, it kind of made me really, how can I put it? I'm trying not to word it in a way that it kind of brought my confidence level down. Um, it's... And I think I mentioned this to you in the past. It's a, it's a man's world, I think, the, the culinary field. So it was really hard to 
um, and being so young to be put in a position where I was taken seriously. Um, so it was really, really hard um, for me to continue pushing mentally and with the confidence that I needed to. So I kind of just started putting it to the back burner and going, I actually did get a chance to go to the Olympics and it was something that it was one of the lowest points of my life um, because I saw how disrespectful the chefs were in the kitchen that we went into um, leaving it extremely dirty, you know, food coloring everywhere. I just, I felt like the respect for the food and other people weren't taken as serious as I thought, even though you're putting up these beautiful platters and all this stuff, you know, out for the public to judge you. But then honestly, the way you get to that point wasn't something that I agreed with. Yeah. And I think because I wasn't down with how things were being done, I got pushed to the back burner. And I got sent home early. So it was just like, okay, you know, this is not the type of person that I want to be. And unfortunately, I kind of got lost in that. And I found myself again when I, you know, and when I started, you know, planning for Chantilly to open. What do you what do you think they could have done? Because this is really kind of an important topic that I that I try to talk about a lot with people in the industry. Um, you know, obviously our, the educators that are at culinary schools uh, are, are amazing. And, and mm -hmm. they really, they really do an incredible job of preparing people with fundamentals uh, with food. But, you know, one of the things that I often talk about is that ultra hyper attention on just the food kind of i don't know it, it seems like there's not as much emphasis on some other things that are really important to be successful um so you you get out of school and you go and you realize that uh you could have been a little bit better prepared um for the real world correct what what's the real world i mean how do you define what you're talking about there um i mean from my personal experience i feel like uh just, you know, and it's unfortunate because I, you know, when going into Westchester, I met amazing people and I also met not so amazing people. And it kind of programmed me into being this person as to where, you know, family life doesn't matter. You have to be at work all the time. Who cares if you get three hours of sleep? You still have to be there. If it's snowstorms, you have to sleep at the club so you can be at work the next day. There was no, um, there, there, there wasn't any, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be such a Debbie Downer because my experience was good. I learned a lot from it, um, but there wasn't enough compassion towards a human being. I felt like I was a robot and I feel like there's so much more things that are important than just looking at what a plate looks like. You know, you have to have skill to talk to people, be able to be compassionate, be able to, um, know that other people's you know families matter and not just being a great chef and being able to be put a good plate on the on, you know a good dish on the plate so not knowing that that was what I was going to go into um and having you know a master chef you know working under a master chef was going to be a lot tougher than what I thought it was going to be I always took it seriously don't get me wrong I worked there for five and a half years I dedicated my entire life to it 
what it seemed like my entire life before opening up Chantilly. Um, but again, I, I, I learned a lot from it. You know, I came to you to cry a lot um, and, you know, to vent a lot because I felt like there wasn't that much emphasis or a lot on mental health, which I told you this, like, I really appreciate how honest and how open you are right now. And you've always been like that for me. Um, but I think mental health has been always put in the back burner when it comes to my career and a lot of people's careers right now. So, yeah, think, I think, go ahead. Do you, do you think it's possible? I mean, because, and, and I'm asking this because as I've been moving forward with trying to um, talk about things in our industry that, you know, are typically taboo to talk about, uh, I'm, I'm getting mostly positive feedback and a lot of support, which I appreciate. But there are still, there are still a bunch of people that I don't know um, that are sending me comments and things that suggest, and, and I know that this perception is out there, that suggest that uh, trying to improve that aspect of our industry is hopeless. And this is just what it has to be. And I had a guy, um, I had a guy who commented recently and his, his word, the last uh, couple of things he said in his comment were, working in kitchens is like being in a fist fight and you need to be tough and that's just the way it's supposed to be and, and i yeah go ahead. I, I think that's crazy to think of it that way and but the crazy thing is that that's how i left the the club that's how i left programmed you know being tough being you know working 90 not even 90, 100% of the time, who cares about family, who cares about the time off, you know, chefs don't get time off, you don't get a lunch break, you know, you eat through your lunch break. I think that's crazy. And, you know, going back or going into a little bit of opening up Chantilly, Maria will be like, she can honestly tell you, I did a 360 after kind of hitting a wall and, you know, having that mentality. And I feel like when I started to really see that that shit doesn't work, I started to feel very liberated. Like, no, people are not robots. People have feelings. You know, I'm not saying, you know, be soft or whatever. No, but I'm a lot more compassionate because I lived through, you know, getting yelled at in the face, getting kicked out of the kitchen. Like, who the hell, you know, does that? Right. Who the hell does that? And I left the club and I was asked to come back, which I don't know if it was a good idea or not, but then I would have, you know, not met my husband there or, you know, I would have kept in touch with you and Hannah, you know? So I think it's crazy to think that it can't change. I think it has to change. Um, but there's also, you know, a lot of men, a lot of older men who feel I, this is my personal opinion, that you look weak if you, you know, are compassionate. Who cares? No, you're a good person. Then you have to be a good person. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Um, so that's something, again, that, you know, I hit a wall and I needed to change. But I feel like what that person said, it, it, it does feel like that. It did feel like that for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, it, it's funny you say that when you bring up the, the, the older generation, particularly men. Uh, and and I, 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 I know what you were what you were getting at there. 
uh, and I'm going to say it because I, I think this is important too. And, and not, uh, I don't hear a lot of men saying this out loud. So I'm going to be the, be, be the one here or one. be the man. <laughs> um, you know, there, I've worked with a lot of women in kitchens and my wife is one of them, right? My wife is a chef. Uh, she is a more talented and knowledgeable chef than, than I will ever be. Um, but, you know, working with uh, a fair amount of, of women in the business, um, I've heard a lot of men who are, you know, uh, in, in some cases at a higher rank. And you hear, you hear guys all the time speak negatively about tears and you know i mean it it happens you know like just so everybody understands crying is it's something that happens it's an instinct it's it's frustration and you often hear people say like oh she's always getting emotional it's like a sign of weakness. Uh, right. You know, yeah. um, you know, it's, 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 she's getting emotional again, or you shouldn't be so emotional or you should Correct. just lock yourself in a room somewhere. So nobody Suck sees you doing that. And yeah. it, you know, everything's an emotion. I mean, you know, if you're going to be angry, that's anger is an emotion. It just manifests itself differently for different people. Correct. Some people decide to throw things. And, and yell at people when they get angry or frustrated. And some people, it comes out in the form of tears. But it's mm-hmm. the same emotion. It's, it's shown differently, but it's, it's the same thing. So to tell somebody, you know, stop feeling however you're feeling right now. Uh, and and it's, like, it's like telling somebody, you know, to, to stop sneezing. You know, I mean, it's literally like it's literally a reflex, you know, like you don't tell yourself, all right, I'm not happy with you right now. So I'm going to (laughs) start to cry. You know, like it doesn't work that way. It's it's not a conscious decision. And it makes me it drives me bananas when I I hear people, uh, you know, tell females in any workplace, not just a kitchen. But like, you know, you, you really get too emotional and, and you're, you're, you can't let your team see you, see you cry. And that's part of the problem. That's become the narrative for, for everything in the back of the house is you, you just can't do that. You're not allowed to show what you're feeling at any point in time, whatever that means, and however it ultimately winds up affecting you. So bottle it up, act tough, and, and, and come out of your office when you're ready to smile. Yeah, and I feel like I had a lot of those days back before Chantilly um, that I was told to suck it up, go in the walk-in, go cry, whatever. There was like a tiny little freezer in the back in the bake shop, the cookie freezer that had a wooden door. And I don't know how many times myself and other female co-workers, including someone, you know, very close to you, like we would go down there and cry together because we didn't want to be seen as weak. And that is just crazy to think, you know, like to think that because something didn't go right or wasn't played it properly, you would get yelled at because you seem like you're getting, you killed someone or who knows? Like, it's just crazy to think that that's how the culinary field was and I'm hoping that there is a change you know I'm hoping that people are starting to understand that that's not how you treat a human being you treat them with respect you want the respect when you give it you get it um but it, it you know there's a, still a lot of places that are like that and I don't know if they're going to change um 
but yeah, no, the funny, one of the funny things for the shop that we opened, I always remember, and it always happens to happen to Maria is that when we first opened, people would come in and be like, oh, the chef, he's French. He is wonderful. Like all these French pastries or European pastries, you know, are great. Can we meet him? And all of a sudden, then here I am like a five foot, you know, Argentinian immigrant who comes out and they're like, what a woman a woman's behind this and then we start getting oh well a housewife she's bored she has nothing else to do you know she should be taking you know care of the kids at home and it's just like no matter what I try I feel like there's always going to be like well she's a woman she's too emotional it is what it is but when people didn't know that women own this shop they were like amazed but now it's something that I really don't care you know like people know who we are now um and they really respect Maria and I um and appreciate what we're doing so you know when I was at the club I had some sort of one mindset I got I hit a wall when I opened up the shop because I thought that was how you treated people that's how you ran your kitchen and then I realized no this is not how I want to be this is not who I am so I cry still. I mean, I do it. I try, you know, not to do it in front of everybody, but my staff has seen me cry. You know, there, there's no shame in that. It only, you know, makes me want to be part of the solution even more. But sometimes you need a good cry. It's fine. It's really fine. Yeah. I, you know, my, my wife is like one of my heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think when you get to a point where, you know, you, you, you get married and then you have kids and then you start to see a whole other level of strength, you know, from somebody and, and all of the things that, that she is able to coordinate and figure out. I mean, this whole school thing, I mean, I, if, if it was up to me alone, my, my, my kids would be counting rocks in the backyard right now. I wouldn't, you know, but she's got a classroom set up and, and she court, you know, it's, I, 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 it really bothers me how little the power of, of women is, is downplayed and ignored in, in society and in our industry and in all that stuff. It, it truly blows my mind. Um, but you yeah, know, I, absolutely. I, I like to think that we're moving in a better direction, but I, I think, it, you know, it's definitely, we're definitely way behind the curve on where we should be with that. Um, yeah. And, and, and I was very happy to see that, you know, like I said, we, we keep in touch and then we go out of touch, but we always come back and we talk to each other. And when I started listening to what you were doing, it was like, I instantly related. It's like, this is amazing. I haven't heard anybody else talk about it. Like, this is what I honestly feel deep down inside. So it can't be, I can't be the only one that feels this way. It can't be like, you can't be the only one that feels this way. I think people are just too afraid to talk about it. Too afraid to be, to be put down or say you're not strong enough. No, fuck that. I am strong. I built a business. I have a daughter. I take care of her. I, I don't have how to manage my time. I kick ass every single day. I cry. I take care of my staff. I'm understanding. And that is so much better than just standing in front of somebody yelling at them because they had a bad day and they don't know how to control their anger. So, yeah. So let's talk yeah. about the ass kicking uh, every day. <laughs> um, when, when you decided that you were going to start Chantilly, um, what was your, was there something that inspired you? Was there something that said, you know, um, 
I'm going to take, because it, it, it takes, and I, I had um, a, another guest, Antoine Brinson, um, it was episode one, and, uh, you know, he did the whole, like, I'm going to just stop everything that I've been doing, and I'm going to yeah. take a chance on myself. And I'm, I went over the cliff. <laughs> yeah, went over the cliff, that's right. Yeah. Just, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do that. Uh, so what, what was it in your head that said, like, I need to do this, like, what, what made you excited about that? Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a sad story, but it turns out into a great story because I, you know, what we have right now, I was told by certain someone that nobody would hire me because I didn't really have too much experience out in the real world or like out in the world other than when, where I was for five years. And that was just like, are you kidding me? Like, kind of like a light bulb turned on in my head and I think my parents were also tired of seeing me go home and cry and just like sleep for days or whenever I had a day off I, all I would do is sleep and it's just like okay so um this location opened up it used to be a tv repair shop there was no kitchen there was nothing here it was just a a little store that had a shit ton of TVs and radios that was here for 60 years and it was going out of business. So my parents were good friends with um, our hairdresser next door. They told my parents, they were like, Mariana, this is opening up. Maria, this is opening up. Maria had nothing, no background whatsoever. And she is one of the best cake artists in Westchester. Just to clarify for everybody, Maria is your sister and co-owner. Correct. Correct. Yes. She's my business partner. Um, and our parents set us down. Um, and this was around uh, February because, you know, the club used to close for a month, I think in March or whenever, February, whatever it was. And they said, if you want this, here it is. We'll help you. Do you want to open up a bakery? And that's it. We took a trip to Paris uh, and ended up going to Paris, to Italy. And I fell in love with the food. I was so I was so down and so down this like spiral that I was so depressed that I couldn't see the light. And then when I got out of there and I went on this trip with my mom and Maria, um, I felt excited again. Like I was like, Oh my God, I can do this. My skill level. Like I know how to do this. Even though I was 20, 25, I was very young, very, very young when we started looking at this 25, 26. Yeah. And to think to open up your own business at 26 years old is very, very scary, but I went for it and we opened up the shop. Um, we had barely any people come in at the beginning, uh, but we kept pushing at it. And 11 years later, we're still here. Awesome. Um, so yeah. I, we're, we're going to get into uh, some of the things that you, you, you guys have, have, I follow you on Instagram Thanks. and uh, if anybody wants to follow Chantilly on Instagram, it's at Chantilly patisserie underscore uh, just so you can get an idea of, of the things that, that they, they do there. But um, the, you, you had kind of a viral thing that is still, still fascinates me to this day, the Cruffin. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm blown away. I haven't even tried a cruffin yet because you won't mail them to Virginia, <laughs> um, but that's okay. Uh, I'm going to try to get a picture up here in a second, but where, where what's to tell us about the cruffin? Where, where did that come so, from? So the main thing that I tell people is that I did not invent the cruffin. 
I am constantly doing my research and it's not copying other people's work. It's trying to take ideas and that's how everybody works, trying to take ideas and, you know, making my own as well. Um, and we have such a fantastic croissant recipe or such a fantastic the croissant that I kept seeing this bakery in Australia talking about cruffins and cruffins haven't really been around for that long they've been around for maybe about three no about five years or so um and what it is it's a croissant dough there they are <laughs> it's a croissant dough that is shaped into a muffin and filled with different flavors and it was in the back burner for about a year and there's something that I just couldn't get it out and I just couldn't get it out because things always came up um and finally I told Maria I need to take some time you know get everything all the dimensions properly the baking temperature properly and see what kind of fillings we're going to do and then we decided to put it out there and it was like one of the biggest things that we've ever had here at Chantilly and we fill them with different flavors. We have cruffin days, um, you know, now it's a little bit different with COVID and everything, but we had hundreds of people come in and out the door during cruffin day and they get to choose six different cruffins. And it's just fantastic because the base of the cruffin is our croissant and, yeah, and different flavors. Killer croissant. Thanks. Yeah. You guys are it's something I've perfected over the years. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you look at a croissant from 11 years ago to a croissant now, you know, it's something that I'm always constantly working on. You know, I'm not going to say it's perfect, but it is definitely a fantastic product. Sure. Um, so we, I just want to make sure that everybody's aware because I, I have a, a, a really, really important message that I think we can we can take from your story here. So here's just some, some pictures that I pulled off of Facebook um, of some of the, the things that you've done over the years. Um, and you don't only do pastry stuff, right? I see you, you guys do sandwiches, you do breakfast sandwiches. Correct. So our main focus is our baked goods, which is our laminated doughs, um, croissants, danishes. That is my expertise. And when I'm talking about expert expertise is I learned it in school, but I also had to reteach myself um, on how to do things and how to perfect them to a way, you know, that I want them to be. Um, but we do have a cake program, which is... Um, custom cakes. We don't keep our cakes in our case. Um, all of our cakes are made to custom order. Um, and Maria, my sister, she's the um, cake artist. There you go. And then um, we do sandwiches, quiches, cake pops, confections. You know, we have over 150 items on the menu. Um, what we used to now we really, you know, going into COVID, we had to kind of turn our entire business around and see what works for us, which is mostly our baked goods and cakes. Yeah, these cakes are crazy. I've, I've so uh, Mariana made um, yeah <laughs> made our wedding cake for, for my <laughs> wife Hannah and I, and it was actually uh, our first cake for Chantilly. So and it was the first time Maria ever ever played with gum paste. And what was great about Maria is that she went to school for art, um, and we never ever in our lives worked with each other. And this was pretty much you know, kind of thrown at us and we just went with it. And again, it's, there's no other person that I would rather own a business with um, than my sister. Um, and she's an amazing cake artist, as you can see. I mean, we've done a few cakes for you guys. And, you know, if you follow us on Instagram, you can see the beautiful and the caliber of work that she produces is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, so she was uh, like a, 
I guess you would say a, a classically trained artist, right? Mm-hmm. And then you you showed her the medium of pastry ingredients. Correct. And she applied her her art abilities to that, which is correct. Which is yeah, awesome. I taught her. I taught her the baking part. I mean, she you know she obviously because our family is very involved in the kitchen, she knew basics. Um, but I cannot say that I taught her anything to do with cake. She did a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of, you know, YouTube uh, university, <laughs> you know, a lot of that stuff that she took on her own and had no choice to learn it. Um, but her artistic side really complements, you know, me with my, you know, culinary background as well. So it was a perfect match. Yeah. And you guys always, I mean, it always seems like you guys are having a great time. Um, we do we really do there's no other way to you know at the beginning I'm not gonna lie it was very hard because my mindset was like you gotta work you gotta do this I was an idiot like that's not how you treat people and I was training her the way that you know I was talked down to and then just I don't know what snapped on me I think one day she told me I was a complete asshole and that's not how you treat people and that just changed that really changed and of course we have our arguments but you know, we disagree and we agree, but we agree most, most of the times. Um, but we have to have a fantastic time here because it's our home. It's like our family, you know, we work here, we're here all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you, I, I'm, I'm pretty blown away by, you know, where you came from, um, coming out of Johnson and Wales, going to Westchester, there, there was not a whole lot of professional experience, industry experience for you. Correct. And I want to highlight that because, again, when we talk about how we lead people and the perception of what it takes in the industry and you talk about, you know, paying your dues and, you know, essentially you need to get abused at a certain amount of places for a certain amount of years that's crazy to me yeah before we will let you move to this next position or um you know things like apprentices are seen and not heard and and all these things and i see people more than anything get held in a position way longer than they need to be in that position just because you need to pay your dues and that the crazy thing about your story, and, and I want to preface this by saying you obviously were raised with incredible work ethic and, you know, you were supported very well, um, you know, uh, uh, emotionally and, and, and from a, um, well, the work ethic perspective from your upbringing, which is yeah. really important. And I'm sure that that helped you a lot. Um, Absolutely. To have that, you know, when somebody tells you nobody's going to hire you because you don't have enough experience, you know, for you to hear that and to know in the back of your mind that you don't have a lot of professional industry experience, but to still turn it into this crazy, uh, successful and amazing uh, bake shop. um, The thing that I want to highlight is if if we as leaders in kitchens were to invest because not everybody, not everybody has the support system growing up that you had or I had or a lot of people had. And that that's the truth. So it's easy for people to hear me say this and counter it with, yeah, well, you know, 
not absolutely that and you know my my parents weren't around or you know i i didn't have that kind of guidance i get that i totally mm-hmm. get that and and i don't want to dismiss the fact that that's the situation with a lot of people that's where i come in and i say well wait a second if you are a leader and you know that that's the case and you know that you might have people on your team that you know maybe weren't as fortunate as you were to have that guidance in your life isn't it our responsibility to instill that kind of work ethic into people and to mm-hmm. push them? Because if we did that, how much could we cut the amount of time it takes for somebody to reach your level? You know, I mean, just those pictures I put up, that's a small, very small, minute fraction of what you're capable of and, and the, the amazing things that you're able to produce as a pastry chef. But if you look at your resume, You know, I mean, let's face it. If you took Chantilly off your resume and you went and applied for a job as an, I don't know who would hire me. Yeah, I know. Right. But, but they have no idea the stuff that you're capable of. And, and I think that it's up to us as, as leaders, chefs, employers to recognize when somebody didn't have what we had, but, but wants it and shows a little bit of promise and be the ones who guide them through life a little bit and turn them into, you know, somebody who has a, a little bit of a faster turnaround than we see in the industry mm-hmm. where, oh, you got to, you know, it's going to take you 10, 15 years to become an executive chef. And it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it needs to be that way. Why don't you just teach them how to work hard? Well, that's what I, um, again, when I hit that wall, you know, I started having students come in and I always told Maria, as if we don't have Chantilly, I want to teach. Um, I think I am a very good teacher. And I take that because the mentors I had in college really took me on. And I learned, I went back to further back than Westchester. And I remembered how they treated me. Um, and again, I know it's school, you know, they have to be that way, but bringing kids into Chantilly and teaching them and telling them one of the main things I tell them is that you're not going to be scooping cookies for the three months you're here. No, you're going to be exposed because you're a sponge. You need to be exposed as much as you want, as long as you're willing to take in all that information and work beside me. You know, I, I, that's crazy to think that when I went into Westchester as an intern, I got put doing the shit work, the scooping cookies or just making brownies because someone just didn't, you know, like me. And I would never want for someone who's in school or right out of school to feel that way. You know, if they have the talent or even if they don't, I'm willing to teach them and treat them with respect, no matter what entry level they are, as long as they want to learn. I'm here for them. And that's exactly what I tell every single student that we get here as an intern is that you want to learn. I will teach you. You will work beside me. I'm not just sitting upstairs at a desk. You know, I am very, very hands-on. And that surprises a lot of kids. And it makes me feel really well. Like it makes me feel really good that I'm able to make some sort of tiny, tiny little impact in these kids' lives. So in a positive way, not in a negative way, like it's what it was done to me. What made you change, though? You said that uh, your sister Maria would say that you turned around 360 degrees. You hit a wall at some point. Um, what was that wall? Like when was there there a moment? Was there something that happened that said, wait, I got to stop for a second? And, and you know, when we uh, first opened, we had chef jackets with my name, executive chef, the top hats in it. 
and it's now it's this it's a t-shirt I have jeans on look at my look at my clogs like I it's something that I I came in with it, not knowing, I guess, who I really was. And it was just, you know, Murray and I were on getting along. I was a complete asshole. Like, you know, the way I was treating people, um, I never yelled. That's one thing that you will, you can ask anyone whether they like me or not that worked here. I never yelled or got in front of their faces um, just because it's not a good feeling to have that happen. But it was just Murray and I were not getting along. And then just one day she said, you're not a very nice person. And I'm like, what the, you know, like, that's not true. I really am. Like, I love what I do. I love teaching. I just need to, you know, and it, it wasn't like an automatic like thing. Of course, I would snap back in and out. But thankfully, where I am today, I can look back and say, if I could have done things different when we first opened, I wish that, you know, I would have. But then again, we wouldn't have gone through the amazing 11 years, you know, up and down, you know, everything that happened um, and kind of really finding who I am. Because I am not that type of person that needs a label underneath my name. Like, I'm not. I'm not. And I know a lot of people are. Um, but that's not important to me. It really isn't. It's important if you're a good person. It's a, if you're a good person and you treat people with respect, that's what's important. Not you know, a label to let people know I'm an executive chef. No, I'm a baker. I'm a badass baker who works really hard. Who gives a shit if you have a, you know, someone gives you a, a title. So I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so Chantilly has had, you know, a lot of accolades over the years. You were shortly after you opened, uh, voted best, uh, best bakery in Westchester. Um, we really were. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty major. Um, I've, I've seen, I mean, there's all sorts of, uh, of articles about you guys and there's a lot of stuff on the Cruffin and, and everything that you've done. What, what pushes you, um, at Chantilly? Like what, what are you, where are you trying to, to reach or what are you trying to maintain? Um, because you know, now you no longer, you work for yourself now, right? So you don't Correct. have, um, somebody above you, you know, evaluating you and, and, and criticizing. Now it's all about, you know, making sure the staff is happy and making sure that the customers are happy. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you leave, you were, you were, you were where I am now and that's the private club world. So, you know, <laughs> we, we have members at private clubs, but we're not exposed to trip advisor reviews and, and Yelp reviews. And, and I've experienced some of that before, before I went back to clubs um, what, where are you positioning your attention? Like what is, what's the measurement here for you, you being successful at Chantilly? When we, I would give you two answers. When we first opened, I would sit in this very own office and go through our Yelp reviews, go through our TripAdvisor reviews and cry because they, there's insults, you know, you work so hard and I, got like two hours of sleep and I spent my entire day here for people to say, oh, we're too expensive or they're not good enough. They're housewives who need, who need a hobby. And it's just like, oh my God, what did I do? You know, getting the best of Westchester uh, award like two months after we opened. Now looking back at it, it's kind of a joke. Um, and I made a decision again, one day to say, 
these people who sit behind a screen have nothing better to do will not rule my life. If they don't like it, you can go somewhere else because I know deep down inside the product that we are producing and trying to put out there is the best that we can. Of course, our product has gotten a lot better, you know, in the past, you know, couple of years. Um, but th that's okay with me because I'm getting, you know, I'm always working at making it better. Um, now I don't, I don't give, I, I don't care to look at the reviews. I, I don't care to answer to Yelp or TripAdvisor because I know you have to pay to advertise for them to put all your great reviews out there. I care about the people that come in. If they do a complaint and they call me, they tell me that's great. I accept criticism because that's for me the only way to learn to make sure that our product is up to quality. Um, but I base it on, you know, word of mouth. If people come in, they love our product. They tell us how it is. And I feel like in the past year, a lot of people have been more vocal with us. Um, you know, our social media is growing a lot more. And, you know, it's not about the number of followers because we've been open for 11 years and we're just about to hit 5,000. Um, so it's kind of funny because, you know, a lot of people focus on that, you know, on how many followers you have and all this stuff. But I think for me and for Maria, it's more of a word of mouth. If people, you know, come in because they heard from somebody else, that's great. But, you know, regarding all these sites, I, I don't respect anybody who sits behind a screen to bash your business because that could really be hurtful for someone. You know, whether it's a truthful uh, review or not, just, just don't go back. Like, that's it. Like, you don't have to hide behind a screen or call them and let them know, you know, maybe they will take you seriously and grow from that experience or correct something. So I say F them. I don't, I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. I don't think people realize um, how that all works. You know, I, I don't think yeah, they don't. that there's a, there's a pay to play aspect to it. Uh, correct. You can, you can make sure that all the positive reviews are at the top. Um and it's been I, years. It's been years since we, I've gone on our Yelp. Uh, before when we first opened, you can see like seven reviews, but underneath it's like twenty-seven hidden reviews, and they're because a computer analyzes it and they think because this person only left one review, it's a robot or whatever. I just think it's ridiculous to, you know, to have someone look up Chantilly and I don't even know how many stars we have, but it really doesn't matter because if you want to come in and you'll see that our product is good, then that's great. If you don't like it, then don't come back. Just go somewhere else. Um, I just I just don't like those sites whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and I, would, I would venture to say that most people who who take the time out of their day to sit down uh, at the computer to, to type those things are, are, I would say that most of them are probably not in any kind of a service industry yeah um, they don't and, understand know, yeah i mean you could imagine if, if you had a desk job in an office and you know maybe you're an administrative assistant or something like that i mean imagine if somebody stood over your shoulder and leaned over once in a while and was like you're, you're not filing those properly <laughs> staple is, is way too close <laughs> to the edge of that packet and you know like it's, it's like, yeah come on you know like people are people are working really really hard to yeah. to make something and and have a livelihood for their family um and and do Correct. what they love to do and you know and oftentimes too what i've realized is a lot of the times um the 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 food gets a terrible review and it wasn't even the food 
that that set this person off you know because we we did when i when i before i went back to private clubs and and i was at bear mountain um you know we had our share of terrible reviews and i mean i remember one that that really sticks out in my head uh and it was something along the lines of uh you know i would rather eat raw sewage or something like that. like it was so it was so out there damn you know and i actually laughed when i read it you know because number one sure no matter how bad you thought this meal was, you probably wouldn't prefer to eat raw sewage if I take it literally, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, we, we did a lot of, we tried to track those things and to see like, who was this? Yeah. You know, let's see if we could kind of uh, figure out who this person was, see if we could remember anything about the night. And a lot of times it was like the person who typed something like that, we remembered, oh, when they came into the restaurant, they weren't happy that they had to wait a little bit longer for a table. And then when they sat down, they asked if we could turn down the air conditioner because it was too cold and they, they just <laughs> seemed not happy. And then after that, you're, you're not making them happy. There's nothing, right. you know, that you could serve them at that point. That's going to make certain people happy. So, you know, they're still buzzing from the wine or, or whatever they were having. And they, Sit down it's a great computer. idea. Let me do this now. Yeah, they sit down at their computer and they anonymous, anonymously um, That's even, you know, yeah. destroy right. somebody's livelihood with, with words on a computer screen. And, and then there's yeah. those people that go and yell, they have to read this read these reviews before they go somewhere and try it out for themselves. Yeah. So, you know, again, I'm mentioning it like for the fifth time is the one review that sticks out for me is that Maria and I are bored housewives who have nothing better to do, who can only open a certain time and then they go back home to their kids. And it's like, I cried in this office so many times reading these reviews and I wonder why. And I did the same thing. I was like, all right, so this person, why didn't they like the croissants? Maybe, maybe we should look back at the camera to see that what they would look like or whatever. And it's like, what am I crazy? Who gives a shit? Like, let's go on a day, day and focus on something that is so much more productive than this crap. Yeah. So that's where the Yelp reviews, TripAdvisor, whatever it is, went to the back burner awards. I don't care. We are doing our best here. Let's focus on what's important and let's move forward. That's wow. it. That was probably too. It took me onto the second year because, um, you know, the first year of business, you want to make sure you do everything great. You stand by everybody. You are proper. No, like goodbye. Do your thing. Yeah. I mean, in reality, you you have forgotten more about croissants than that person will ever know. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's pretty funny. Um, so let's go. I mean, there's, there's a pandemic right now. I'm sure, you know, um, yeah. what's, uh, what's going on in Bronxville and, and what have you guys been doing? What have you had to do to, um, kind of weather the storm and, and how's things in that front? I mean, it kind of, um, I'll never forget the day that I had to gather our staff and say, we have to shut down. And again, that day I had tears coming down my face because I had not a clue what was going to happen as we still don't really have a clue what's going to happen. Uh, we have a little bit, you know, more knowledge. Um, but it was on St. Patrick's day and, um, we shut down for about a week. Um, and, you know, being exposed to a virus that hit, you know, people with autoimmune disease, it was very hard for me to be able to 
go out there because um, I also had to take care of myself. Um, but we decided to open a week later only with pre-orders. Um, and then little by little, Maria had to, Maria and I had to sit down and kind of take our entire business plan or the way we ran things for 10 years and see what worked, you know? Um, so we started with pre-orders, then we slowly started getting, you know, a few months later, getting people to come up to our table to order things, you know, for walk up and now slowly starting to have four people inside the shop little by little, you know, come in and wait outside and have little, you know, little events like Disney day or Cruffin day, um, you know, with people keeping, you know, so respecting social distance. Uh, but it's something that has not been easy. You know, customers come in and be like, Hey, how are you doing? So glad you're back. I'm like, well, we really never closed. Uh, but it has, it's not been easy. It really hasn't. You know, we're literally right in front of that's Disney Day right there. That was our first Disney Day. And it was uh, one of the best days that I will ever remember in 11 years because everybody around Bronxville really needed this. And um, they were so supportive, so happy to be able to come outside and socially distance, kind of have a party in our neighborhood. Um, and it was a fantastic hit. It was really, really something that I'll never forget. Um, but again, we're literally across from the train station and there's no business from the commuters Our, nobody's commuting into New York city. So we, you know, have to constantly be thinking, what are we going to do in order to continue to bring business inside? It hasn't been easy, Mike. It really hasn't. It's something that has affected me, you know, emotionally, you know, it's very stressful to think that. We don't know where our shop is going to go, you know, not ourselves, everybody around, you know, all the other business owners that I talked to around Bronxville, you know, are having the same issue. So it's not like, oh, you know, it's just us. No, it's every, it's everybody. Um, so we'll see. We just keep pushing forward. And that's what I've always, you know, told Maria, no matter what, me and you, we always push forward and we continue to bring the best product that we can even better every single weekend to the shop. So we're just open Thursday, Fridays and Saturdays from seven to 12. And of course, you get those people that are like, oh, you can't open seven days a week. No, no, we can't. This is what's working for us right now. You know, like, <laughs> was that a good impression? <laughs> Yeah, that sounds that sounds familiar. Yeah, you know, like I think I I think I know that person. <laughs> so that's that's what's up. All right. So uh, for anybody listening who is uh, within, I, I'm going to say within two hours of of Bronxville, New York. <laughs> uh, what else are you doing on the weekend? You may as well pack up the family and and take Thanks. a long drive. And and the end of that drive is a box of pastries or two or three or four. My face? Yeah, and, and Mariana's <laughs> face. Uh, so it's, it's uh, 135 Parkway Road in Bronxville, New York. Um, you got to check them out. The website is chantillybronxville.com. Yeah. So you can see um, what they're doing. You guys still have a gallery on the website where people can take a look at at. We do, but most of our work, uh, most, most of our portfolio is on Instagram. It's like the one thing that we update the most as we, you know, pretty much do all of our marketing. So Instagram is like the best way to see, you know, any news, our portfolio and any upcoming events that we have happening. Yeah. For, and, and you can see uh, the owners dancing in a car, oh, yeah. There's all sorts of crazy delusional. Stuff. That's like after a very long weekend. <laughs> And that Instagram again is at Chantilly Patisserie <laughs> underscore. Um, real quick, 
before before we we end this thing um tell me and this is a broad question i know but try to try to narrow it down first thing that comes okay. to your head what do you wish was different uh, oh oh and and assume that we're not in a global pandemic okay pretend oh, okay what, what do you wish was different in the industry um crap just that is a very broad it question. Um, there are a number of things I know probably on a list, but um, what what like pops up in your mind? You know, the one thing that I've always dealt with and, you know, expressed to people and I'm probably going to sound like let women, you know, like I wish there was more respect towards women in our industry. And, you know, obviously as a woman, like I feel like I was never really taken very seriously. Um, so I think women need to really be known also for their hard work, not only being moms, but also being kick-ass moms, business owners, employees, whatever it is, you know, that we have more than one job other than, you know, being in the kitchen, um, as a chef, we do multiple things at once. And I think more respect towards women is one of the things that I would say I wish I could see in this industry to be taking a little bit more serious. We need to hand the world over to women. That's, that's, I know Hannah agrees with me. That's that's my two cents there. Uh, It's it's time. It's time. We, uh, we admit that, that we need to hand it over. Um, So last thing here uh, from a customer perspective, um, and this could be a combination of pre-COVID and, and post-COVID, but mm-hmm. what do you wish customers had a better understanding of? The hard work that goes into making this. Uh, I don't think customers understand that. Maria and I make everything by hand. Like, you know, we roll croissants every day. We make our baguettes by hand. Myself and Maria make everything. We're not machines. Like I wish they had an understanding that we know exactly what goes in our product. You can't compare uh, one croissant to a bag croissant from a bag of croissants from a supermarket and tell me this is too expensive. No, like I know exactly what you're putting in your body. Like respect the skill, respect my work. Um, and if you like our product, great. If not, you know, keep your mouth shut, go somewhere else. Um, Obviously, I would never say something no, like that, no. you know, like, well, thank you so much. There's the door. No, no. But, you know, a better understanding how our world works. You know, we don't just come in, open the door at seven. No, we started a shift like seven hours ago. You know, don't complain that we are open till 12 only. No, get your little butt up. Maria always tells people, well, we come in really early. You can get up at seven and come get a warm croissant, you know, like, you know, she's, she's really awesome when it comes to telling people off, but in a really great way. <laughs> yeah, the timing, the timing perception, I think, in, in all aspects of our industry is pretty wild. And I, I hope that that COVID helps with that. And I hope that people are starting to realize uh, that you, you can't just walk into a restaurant or, or anywhere and expect to have exactly what you want demand moment you know i mean the way i look at it is if you feel like you're waiting too long for your food and you've been waiting for 15 minutes and you wanted your food 15 minutes ago you should have <laughs> showed up 15 minutes earlier <laughs> and you'd be okay yeah. you know but it's like yeah. once they enter the doors 
it's, you know, you're on my time now. There's a lot of demand. Correct. Like I'm in serve, like I'm serving them. No, we're in the same level. Like you're here to experience something that I'm about to give you a great experience, no matter what kind of day I'm having. And this is something I have to work on a personal level because I keep bottling things up like I will have a smile on my face because they deserve to have the great service and it's not like a fake service no I enjoy talking to the customers and now more that we have no staff retail staff everybody gets to see my face and Maria's face more um I enjoy giving them an amazing product with an amazing service and an honest service. So, you know, when people come in demanding, that's just, no, like, I don't think so. I'm not going to take your shit. Like, let's work through it. If you forgot to order your, you know, anniversary cake for your wife and you need it in about five minutes, no, Maria cannot go downstairs and bake you a cake. Like there's no respect there. And I think that needs to change, you know, understanding of how our business works or our industry works and respect towards, you know, the women behind the con- the counter. Yeah. And there's a third woman, right? Your mom is also a co-owner. Correct. That's yes. Not, she was here. Her. Right. And, you know, she is one of the reasons why, you know, I am the woman that I am today. Um, you know, obviously watching my parents work their little butts off when they first came into this country. Um, you know, but she is one of the reasons why I'm such a strong woman today and I will never, you know, take that for granted. Um, and that's why I always continue to push forward. Um, but she, yeah, she was in our shop until three years ago when Emilia was born and, you know, she takes care of our kids when we're at work. And that's again, not because she's a woman, she's stuck at home with kids. No, that's a full-time job, you know, within itself. So yeah. And which allows me to create these delicious pastries. (laughs) Awesome. So many reasons to, uh, to check out Chantilly. Uh, number one reason being the incredible pastries uh, and baked goods that they produce every day. Um, but, you know, if you want to see and be inspired by a, a true powerhouse female team of entrepreneurs that have started something really amazing, um, you, you got to go check it out. It's, it's, it's an incredible place. Um, and incredible people. So I hope, I hope everybody listening checks it out. The links, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll have the links for um, the website and Instagram and the address in the description below. And uh, I, I hope you get out there. Mariana, my friend, I feel like we could talk for a whole other hour if we We could. Yeah, uh, it's, it's usually always been that way. I could always talk to you. Yeah, maybe we'll do a sequel. Maybe we'll do like a post-COVID Ooh. sequel. So we could, <laughs> That'd see, be great. Um, we could see what, what you're doing uh, after we get out of this craziness. Sure. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Say hi to, to the family for me. Thank and you. You keep too. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep keep inspiring people and, and feeding people deliciousness. Thanks. Um, and we'll talk soon. You got it. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Okay, bye.